This is an ABC podcast. Okay, so we've been full on investigative journalists this week, Pip. That's right. Call us Dave Marchese. We are hacking Sorry. the sex, love and relationship news. I feel like we're about to win a Walkley Award with this episode. I agree. <laughs> so we went real deep with love languages. Yes. If you don't know what we're talking about, the five love languages, what are they? Physical touch. Words of affirmation. Quality time. Acts of service. Gifts. My favourite. That's your favourite. Have you done the quiz? Um, Yeah, probably like a maybe a couple of years ago. I haven't done it recently, but you know, I, I, maybe I should because I might have changed love languages. Who knows? So there's the language that you would like to receive. And then the one that you give. And then there's also the love language that you give. And they're not normally, the, they don't have to be the same thing. Mm. A little bit later in this episode, we are going to tell you about this huge world of love languages, this deep dive that we did straight to the core, the investigations. So stick around for that because it might blow your mind. So love languages, such a huge cultural phenomenon. Yes. Everyone's obsessed with them. Been around for ages, but now it's gone to the point where they've become so niche. Oh my god, yes! People are getting so meta with theirs. What's your niche one? Okay, so obviously there's the, what you like to receive and what you like to give. Yes, I like to give. My love language is just swearing at someone so much, like so aggressively, and you know this about me, like swearing at someone. And that's how I show love. If I didn't know you, I'd be like, she hates me. That's what I mean. Like, like to the point where someone's like about to cry. But actually, you know that I'm just being like so nice. And this is me being like, I love you. Literally. Okay. But what about your um, giving? Receiving? Oh, receiving, sorry. Okay. So I like when someone goes out of their way to get you hot chips when you didn't ask for them. Oh. It's on every dating app ever. Yeah. But it sits with me so true. Like, when you have someone come back and they go, oh, by the way, I got you some chips. Incredible. Proposal. Done. <laughs> What's yours? Um, look, mine is, this is really niche, but stay with me on this. To give this type of love is when I put energy into helping someone write like a really difficult email or letter. Let's say to like our landlord or to a job that hasn't paid you and you're just like, I don't know what to say. I'm literally like, give it to me. I'll write it. I love doing this. Whoa. And I've done it for so many people when they've been like, I, they're not paying my invoice. Like, I can't believe this. I don't know what to say. Like, I don't want to ruin the relationship as a professional. And I'm like, I got this. I love doing it. I'm actually surprised by that. But also, I have a really aggressive email I need to send to my landlord. So I'm going to get you to do that. CC me. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Um, and in terms of um, receiving. receiving, I definitely love... When someone like sits down and watches like the worst TV show ever with you, it's like the crappest reality Mm. and they don't want to do it. Bonus points if they don't want to do it actually, but they do it anyway out of love. Because they know that you love it. I know. And they want to bond with me over it. And then suddenly like they're getting into it and they're quoting it. It's the best. Oh my God. If someone sat down and watched Love Island with me, that's it. That's love. It's a whop. (laughs) And this was something that you completely related to as well. All of you had such incredible niche love languages cooking receiving like anything to do with food I've been cooking since i came out the womb who doesn't love food when i stick my finger in their mouth when they yawn 
my last first date, and we were together for about a year and a half. Uh, he stuck his finger up my nose, and I knew that's why why we were together. Someone I care about needs something done for them. It makes my day. If I can like cook food for a housemate, if I can give someone a ride or like proofread an essay or something, I love the opportunity to do like that acts of service thing. But also when someone does the same thing for me, I hate it. Definitely much prefer the quality time or the maybe words of affirmation coming towards me. But yeah, acts of service at the people I care about can't get enough. I like gifts and I think that it's a little bit misunderstood. People hear gifts and think it's maybe a bit shallow, but, you know, it can be as simple as picking a flower on the way home to give to me. That's my favourite. Or my partner... When he's at the servo, he gets my favourite protein cookie. And it's just to know he was thinking of me at the servo, of all places. The way we talk to each other, it's a little bit embarrassing. Like, we'll call each other Ickets Wickets, Armour Dickets. And his dog gets that name as well. Like, the neighbour's dog is Mr. Woo Woo Buffett Swuffet. What did she say? Mr. Mr. Woo Woo Buffett Buffett Swuffet? Oh, my God. That's really cute, though. It is very cute. I love it. It's like personal jokes with your partner. Yeah. That is such a love language. Yeah. We had so many as well from you in our DMs. Someone here said, someone literally using my name in a sentence. Oh. Huge. Huge. Movie recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. Another DM we got, um, sunsets and beers. Okay. Oh. That's nice. Okay. Taking it back to basics. Yeah. No, that's absolutely. Touching feet in bed when it's too hot to cuddle. Aww. As a physical touch, as a person who hates physical touch, absolutely not. But I love that for them. Okay. So, so many people have made love languages their whole personality. Oh, definitely. Which I totally get. Like, I feel like this was me. I would legit ask people on first dates. I'd be like, what's your love language? Have you done the quiz? What is it? That sounds exactly like you. And so originally you and I were like, okay, we have to cover love languages, like figure how to figure out yours, how to deal with it in relationships. And then we were doing a bit of research, investigating, because, you know, here at The Hookup, we talk a lot of shit, obviously. <laughs> but we also like to bring you the cold, hard facts, get you that info that you can trust. We're aiming for a Walkley here, so. I told you. I can't wait. You deserve nothing less. <laughs> and when we were looking into love languages, we realized, hang on, the guy who created this theory in 1992 is a pastor called Gary Chapman. The book that he wrote, it's called The Five Love Languages, sold over 11 million copies. It's a New York Times bestseller and apparently it's all bullshit. But also, are we not surprised? It's a pastor. He ain't no love doctor. What does he know? Well, also, apparently it was written for married Christian couples. Oh, that really, like, narrows the, de- like, yeah. the demo down, doesn't and it? And he's got no qualifications. Mm. He's d- done no research around love. He's not a scientist. Just a, just a pastor. Yeah. No love doctor. No. So I wanted to speak to someone who is an actual researcher who has been researching love and relationships for years and years, has been involved in so many studies, Jerry Carances. Very qualified, leading researcher in Australia in love and relationships. He's an associate professor at Deakin University. And he kind of blew our minds a bit with what he had to say about love languages. Now, what we have here, and in many cases, I would say in the kind of self-help world, is people having this great idea of the way they think the world works, and then they write about it. And there's no evidence to support it. Honestly, Jez woke up and chose violence. And he really 
cuts deep with he some of these hates. hard facts. <laughs> Love languages, I reckon. Yeah. That was the vibe I got. But he is legit. Like, mm. there's no science out there to back them. There are somewhere between six to eight studies on love languages since then. So what are we talking about? A 30-year period with only six to eight studies? And to be honest, most of those studies in terms of the research quality is poor. Those ones that are somewhat better do not find much by way of support with love languages. They find that the survey that he developed that is supposed to be mapping onto the five languages doesn't actually hold. It's not particularly valid. And here's the thing. If you were to use some of these shaky measures anyway, and you try to predict relationship outcomes, satisfaction, longevity, you know, how partners try and make their relationships work. The minute you add other things that we've been studying in relationship science for, you know, 20, 30 years, love languages doesn't contribute much, if anything. So many people are obsessed with love languages. 70% of you on our Instagram said that you live by the theory. So why is it such a huge cultural thing? What happens is when people read these kinds of things, they look for the commonalities. And so it becomes its own kind of self-perpetuating, self-fulfilling kind of prophecy. Oh, it must be right because I can see things in what I'm telling you. Well, I could give you five different theories and I could sell them to you in a way where you would see merit in all of them. And they're all talking about the same thing. Well, they all can't be right. It's just not the way that science works. Okay. So like astrology. I have to bring this up here, right? Because there's a commonality and that's how it works. Like you try and find yourself in that horoscope and it's yep. basic enough that you might be able to latch on. I'm scared of saying this because I know. I, I will admit it. Like I'm an astrology girl. I was about to say you're an astrology girl. You're a star girly. I check my co-star. I'm not going to lie. But I also have looked into the research and investigations where they have handed someone the exact same written thing out of like 20 people in a study and they've all been like, this relates to me so much. Ah, it's so Pisces. It's, <laughs> yeah. And it was the same thing for everyone. So yeah. I think that's what Jerry is trying to say here. Yeah. And he also said that love languages actually complicates things in relationships. Relationship science already tells us a lot about the way that people communicate and it doesn't need to be as complicated as the love languages. And the challenge with some of this stuff is oftentimes what it tends to highlight to people are people's differences in their relationships. Now, differences is a source of challenge, but the way you get couples to move forward is about trying to find common ground. Do you just become frustrated when your partner doesn't pick up on what your love language is? Do you just think that only your love language is the language that the couple should be talking about? In some ways, some of these things can create more problems than they do provide solutions. So would you say that love languages are doing more damage to relationships than good? Well, it's not like there's research, you know, on it much anyway for us to base it on, right? And me being a scientist, I have to look at whatever evidence there is out there. But what we will say is it doesn't seem to be showing the benefits that it's professed to show. Okay, so Jerry fully called me out as well because he basically said, don't talk to people about love languages on the first date. Stop telling everything to everyone that you first meet. Here's me also constantly being like, "What's? have you done the quiz? What's your love language? Here's mine. Also, this is why I'm broken. And this is the person that hurt me when I was 16. <laughs> you're like, Jerry says, don't do that. And you're like, well, that's one hour of my conversation on the first date. <laughs> Done. Shit. Like, what am I going to talk about? The weather? <laughs> I don't know if I can talk about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he's saying don't trauma dump, okay? We hate that here. We hate that. 
people are really into kind of disclosing everything and anything about themselves indiscriminately. And we, we know from relationship science that disclosing very, very early in romantic relationships is a red flag. When people engage in this relentless pursuit of disclosure, they actually short circuit the relationship from moving forward because they do not provide an opportunity for the partner to engage in any disclosure or to respond accordingly. You're essentially having a relationship at a table for one. It's because it's all about you. That's hard to hear for me. (laughs) It's very hard for me to hear. (laughs) You know, also, I think about love languages that they can change, right? I definitely think I've seen it in myself from the start of a relationship to the end. Let's say, for example, there was someone I was dating who I was like physically like really into all over, blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of it, I was just like, hands length away, arms length away, just being like, no. Right. So it started off being physical touch and then it changed towards the end. Definitely. And I think that's obviously like some people have that like natural course in a relationship, especially when it's long-term like that does happen. But then also I was thinking about like how I used to be like really into time. And this is not just like love language with like relationships, but also with friends. Mm. Now I'm like, time means nothing to me. All my friends live all across the world. I don't get to spend time with them but we're still good friends. Do you know what I mean? True. And I realized that about myself as I was growing up. So I was like, yeah, they can change, I think. They can fully change. And that's what Jerry said is a reason why you shouldn't be relying on love languages in your relationship. When you think about love languages and things like that, it takes a very fixed view of the way that people interact. And those things can change over time. People can vary one person to another. They, they all differ as to how much they change. But when you put people into those boxes, you assume that those kind of the ability to kind of evolve and change is somewhat stunted. And that's, that's actually a, a misnomer. That's, that's something to keep in mind too. If you've just listened to all of that and you're like, Pip and Dee, grow up. I still want to believe in these. I love love languages. Like surely there's some value in them. And it's something that you do want to use as a way to communicate with your partner or even just suss people out on dates. And you're just feeling a bit like, well, what am I supposed to do now that apparently they're bullshit? Well, we thought, you know, let's get a different perspective. So I spoke to couples therapist, psychologist, Sean Sorolecki and his wife, Helen. They said there's no real harm but take it with a grain of salt. I think the concept's a pretty a harmless concept. I don't think it's going to particularly cause too much damage to relationships, but it's it's a kind of simplistic approach, I think, in a way. And it, it probably won't go deep enough, essentially, into what couples really need. They're not harmful. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with talking about love languages with someone. No. Even though... Jerry really caught us out and basically said, please don't mention this on a first date. It's a red flag. But Sean and Helen said that love languages can still be a good way of just sussing the other person out, like having this conversation, get talking about like the things that you like and what you don't like. You know, it's a good way to suss the other person. You could even talk about this podcast episode. Do you know what I mean? You could just be like, hey, guess what? What's your thoughts on the love languages? Um, turns out the hookup future Walkley Award winners, <laughs> actually said they're not real. It can be a really good starting point. It's really good to know where each other stands. Like, for example, one of the love, love languages is physical touch. And if you're a very affectionate person, um, it, it is good to know where the other person stands because uh, you might end up with somebody who is not that affectionate and they might feel really rejecting. 
But if you can have that conversation from the beginning, then and you come to an understanding, okay, well, this isn't so much about me. Maybe we can find a middle ground, but at least I know that's just not their style. And this is something I'm going to have to take in consideration in the relationship. I'm going to quickly tell you a story quickly. I love it. Story time. Okay. So I went on a date recently and we spoke about love languages, classic me, but he said that his was physical touch and I said it was my least, but then he proceeded to ignore that I said it was my least and just like constantly like wanted to touch and like hug and hold and whatever. And it got to the point where I felt so overwhelmed that it pretty much like I, it ended the like whatever it was. Cause I was like, I just, I felt, I just got the ick from it. Cause I was like, I feel overwhelmed. It's too much. And see, that's the red flag, the lack of communication. It was the fact that this person ignored your wishes to yeah. make you uncomfortable. Because his love language was physical touch. Rude. So we actually had a hookup listener talk to us about a love language dilemma with us, D. Rachel, who got in touch, said that when she first started dating her partner, they didn't just focus on one love language. They actually hit all five. We actually did it really early just to talk about it. And funnily enough, as we were dating in our first two months, we took it really slow. And I noticed after like a couple of months that we had basically shown each other and reflected love in each way. And sort of you could kind of work out from each other which had the best response. Like he did buy me a small gift that blew my mind. But then we also spent a lot of time together. We did have physical touch. We did have, you know, like we definitely do things like playing board games together at nighttime because he knows I appreciate that time spent as well. Um, but yeah, we sort of varied all of them, but had the discussion too. And then to sort of be like, oh, what, what ways do you feel best that I'm loving you? I love that. That's so huge because that's exactly what Sean and Helen actually said. It's a great way to approach it. And instead of focusing on one, we should focus on all five. I think part of generating love and connection, probably on a, like a regular basis, it'd be wise to attend to all five of them obviously they're not all going to be as meaningful to the person giving or receiving that but absolutely all of those will help um, in a sense of building kind of gratitude for one another connection like a bit of play even and things like that like obviously quality time um, we would be encouraging all couples to make this a priority in their relationship so you you know to ignore that would wouldn't probably very helpful for the relationship as well as focusing on all five love languages here are a few other things that shan and helen said that you could do things that are way more important to create a healthy relationship they're so basic but they're so essential so like knowing your partner's triggers and vulnerabilities yeah and that definitely relates back to love languages in a way let's say if uh one person in the relationship has been cheated on Mm. and if they say look i'm really vulnerable with um time quality time spent with another person because in a past relationship something happened and they need reassurance yeah having these conversations shan says is so important it's knowing what your partner's sensitivities and vulnerabilities are and now like trying to kind of take care of them as much as you can so kind of like maybe a little bit of an example around that is say your partner's like really prone to feeling abandoned then you know that they're prone to feeling abandoned this is their vulnerability and you take that into consideration with kind of like how you interact. Like say, for example, you've got a friend's weekend booked away. You know, you come in with that with a lot more kind of nurturance and, you know, I love you and I miss you. I'm going to have a good time with my friends, but I'm going to call you and I'm going to make sure we touch base. And so, you know, you need to know that 
I'm still around that sort of thing. And there's many different vulnerabilities and sensitivities and knowing about them, I think is just like super important to underpinning connection and limiting conflict. And another thing that Sean said you can do, the absolute, absolute essential, basic as fuck, <laughs> but we all seem to really struggle with doing it, just listen. Is to actually stop and listen and validate one's, one's partner. And what I mean by that is kind of like really understanding where they're coming from, what, how they're feeling about something, even if it's very different from our own kind of space or position. I think that's underestimated dramatically. And so really just kind of being there, listening, understanding, showing you're listening too, so validating and, and responding in a way. I think that's like the core foundation of any healthy relationship. And, and we find people struggle with it. Look, yeah. and we're married. So we, we, we know these things like the back of our hand, we do couples therapy all the time. And even we struggle with it in our relationship. Okay, sorry if this episode hurt your feelings. That is literally you. You are talking to yourself. You're looking at a mirror right now. Just so everyone knows, Dee is actually, her feelings are hurt. She's feeling some type of way. I'm feeling a real type of way with this episode, but I feel reassured, you know? I'm still going to talk about love languages on my first date. Yeah. But I'll just be, you know, also listening. Talking about my triggers and vulnerabilities, but maybe not on the first date. Just not on the first That's what I was going to say. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. That's what I liked about this one. We got a bit of both. Exactly. And hopefully I'll get some hot chips as well. (laughs) And thank you for sharing all of your vulnerabilities, your love languages, It's been so much fun doing this episode with you. We love to hear from you, as always. You can find us at Triple J The Hookup, our Instagram. Um, Follow, like, subscribe, do all of the things. If there's a button to click. Review and rate. Click it. Click the bell. Send it to a friend. Yeah. Send it to the Walkley. (gasps) Send it in as a Walkley request. (laughs) Please submit this episode to the Walkleys. Oh, my God. This is so embarrassing <laughs> for us. <sighs> wrap it up. Wrap it up, Wrap me. it up. Wrap it up. Uh, email as well. The hook on All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>